Hi, I'm Alice Zhao. I'm Curtis Herbert. And I'm Jelly, a.k.a. Daniel Farrelly. And this is Independence, a show where the three of us, we talk about trying to live the good life by making apps, putting it on the App Store, and cashing those giant checks from Apple. Oh, wait a minute. It's not 2008? <laughs> <laughs> I got started in this business a little bit too late. I know. <laughs> I missed the gold rush. <laughs> So today I kind of want to talk about how as developers, I think we tend to focus so much on building great products that we're really passionate about. And then there's also the other half that we are actually a business and not just a single product. And with that comes great responsibility. <laughs> with great apps comes great responsibility. Comes great. Yeah, it's the, uh, <laughs> it's the spider app motto. Spider slopes, spider slopes, does whatever a spider slopes can. <laughs> Something like that. But we have to get the word out there, right? And I realized, to me, that's the hardest part of running the business. Because you can have a great app, and no one knows about it, and it just sits there, and it's very sad. <laughs> but this is this is like most of your job, right? This is, that's you, true. <laughs> you, you don't do any of the development, so this is basically like, this is the work that you do, mo mostly? Yeah, there's the product development time where I'm not writing that, but I'm planning, I'm testing... I'm, you do a lot of the design, the drawing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of in-between stuff. And then, yeah, but then the rest of it is uh, marketing. And, and it's it's hard. Well, and let's face it. We don't, we're not marketers. We don't like marketing. <laughs> well, I guess that's half my job, so I shouldn't, shouldn't say <laughs> Well, you cannot like your job. No, there's parts of it I really love. But so I was thinking that, you know, when you think about marketing, it's, it's most definitely not like a one size fits all type of formula. Mm. And the three of us have extremely different apps. Our pricing models are very different. Our target markets couldn't be more different. And so it makes sense that we also have extremely different approaches to marketing as well. So I really wanted to hear about how your overall experiences have been like since you launched and perhaps whether or not it's it's matured <laughs> or i hope it's matured right <laughs> like everything yeah <laughs> <laughs> matured well would be good when you look back on when you um submitted your first version you launched gift wrapped in slopes where did you have marketing on your list of to-dos because i have a feeling i know what the answer is <laughs> i mean i actually tried to do it right I had set up before I launched, I forget how long in advance, uh, but I had set up the teaser website. I had set up a mailing list form, all that kind of stuff. I didn't invest in any SEO to get traffic there or anything, but I did try and, you know, spread the word a little bit on Reddit, stuff like that. And then at launch time, I tried the outreach thing. Like I tried to have a very nice splashy website that clearly articulated like what was going on there. So it wasn't a complete afterthought. Like I definitely was focused on the code and the product a lot, but I don't think I was hideous at marketing. I wouldn't say <laughs> I was good at marketing, but I wasn't hideous. Um, even to the point where like I remember, so I launched in September of 2013. And when I went to WWDC that next summer, AltConf had like a talk to the press event. And, you know, I showed him my website and stuff like that. And a couple of people mentioned like, oh, your press outreach is like, you've, you've got a good website here. Like, I can clearly understand what your app does. Like, huh, weird. Uh, and even one person was kind enough to give me a write up, even though it was the middle of summer, because he's like, yeah, you should have been caught and you just weren't. Uh, despite all my outreach, despite all my cold emails to all the Mac sites, to all the, you know, the snowboarding sites, like mm -hmm. I just got no traction. So 
I tried and I struggled. And I think that's one thing you can struggle with as an indie is like, unless somehow you can make an absolute splash of like, oh my God, what kind of app is this? Like, you know, an AR right. app last year, then it's a struggle. And I don't think I comprehended just how hard it was to get through that. You can go through the motions and do it right. And you still will get nowhere because there's so much competition. Because unfortunately, not everybody likes snowboarding as much as they like GIFs. <laughs> it's, it's it's not just that nobody like people don't like snowboarding. It's that snowboarding as a as a thing is expensive. Like it's not a thing that everybody does. Right. It's, it's like, a niche. Yeah, and gifts feel free. So <laughs> free. you know it. It makes sense that there are people that are just like, oh, snowboarding, okay, cool, and they just kind of move on with their life. But it kind of it comes with a similar effect. Like you have an app that, in order to use it, you've already committed a bunch of money, right? You've gotten into a sport that is not expensive, but it's it's a thing. Like it's not something that you can just like go out and sure. like you buy a basketball and you can just like you know bouncy basketball and you're good. You need a season pass to accompany that basketball to use the net. <laughs> you know you, you've got like a built in there's a, there's a built in market and we've kind of talked about that before, like how you considered that. But on the flip side, a lot of people are interested in gifts and gifts are a fairly low barrier to entry as far as like cost because you know gifts are everywhere and they're generally free. That makes it more difficult to make money from them, just as a side note. But it means that as an app that, like, making GIFs, I don't have to do a lot. I just don't. And I could probably do more. I could probably, like, you know, get more, um, like, you know, more more attention focused on me. But, or on the app, it's not all about me. It's mostly about the app. But at the same time, like, you know, I I can create a thing in GIF Wrapped and it will get talked about by people. Like, word of mouth is my best friend in fa- so far as marketing. And it is, it is definitely a type of marketing. It's a marketing aspect that I guess I excel at. And I think early on, that was what I was banking on, was word of mouth. Mm-hmm. I did set up all the, you know, you have the usual things. You have, like, you know, the website and the Make sure your app store page is relatively spiffy and, you know, Twitter and various social networks, you know, you want to get on all that sort of stuff and try and be that, you know, spread your app as wide as you can because most of those services are free and stuff. But I didn't like take out ads or anything like that in the early days. It just didn't happen. I just, A, I didn't think to do it because I'm just not that sort of person, but also I, I I have no idea what I'm doing in that space. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if you had more success because slopes is very much word of mouth too, especially with skiing. You know, you usually go with friends. So one of the key things I was relying on is like, you know, Jelly, if you and I went snowboarding with Alice, then Alice wasn't running slopes. I would lean over and be like, hey, look at my speed. And she'd be like, oh, I really want that app. And I think one of the hindrances in the early days for slopes when it came to word of mouth marketing was the fact that I was paid up front. And that was a near impossible sale for friends to make to each other um, because paid upfront apps are just outside of the niche of people who actually appreciate apps. Yeah, that's a that's a curse on your download right there. Um, So I think that hindered massively my word of mouth marketing growth for the first two years of slopes, because once I went free, it took off. Mm, Makes sense. Yeah, it causes a barrier that you have to get over a free app. People will just download it and they might not use it because then there's the barrier of like they have to actually find it and launch it again. Yeah. But at the same time, like if I'm talking about an app that's free, I'm telling you about an app that's free. You can just go and download it. Yeah, just try it. Just do it. Like it doesn't cost you anything. Maybe like, you know, your data costs you a little bit of data, whatever. But as a general rule, you can just go out and try it. Paid apps have the problem of like when you see that there is an app available, you have to, before actually using it, 
make the decision as to whether or not it's actually worth it. Right. And so many people just will not. Yeah. <laughs> they'll just they'll just skip it entirely. Yeah, and that's what I ran into. Like even with a friend's recommendation sitting right there, like, oh my God, this app is amazing. Yeah, sorry, it's seven ninety nine. Nope. I'm not paying for that. Mm. You know, if I had done things differently in the beginning, I wonder if I had gone more the freemium model early on. I don't know if subscriptions were ripe back then. This is 2013, but I wonder if I could have done some in-app purchase stuff with my day and trip pass ideas, stuff like that. Like, I Mm. do wonder if Slopes would have had a much more aggressive adoption back then uh, if I was free up front. It's definitely one thing I would have wanted to experiment with back then. Uh, maybe tried something a little bit differently there. Yeah. What about you, Alice? You, you, you're the marketer here. Like, what was <laughs> yeah, your you're the expert? What, what was your <laughs> yours shit? early on? So you know, Jelly, we talked about press outreach in a previous episode, and I think during that episode, I kind of said something like, "I don't do it," and in a way that was disingenuous because <laughs> it wasn't that I don't do outreach. I don't target journalists. So when I think about Gus on the go, I don't think we're making anything groundbreaking either. I didn't invent like the new way to learn a language. Yeah. (laughs) So what I think we've built is something I know my kids will love and others will too. It was more about scratching an itch, I guess, but doing it well and not reinventing the wheel. Um, But I also, that also means there's no news coverage. It's just a cute app. But what I think I have or what we have going for us is that we are the target market and I'm very much in the communities the online communities of this target market like I'm in Facebook groups with other moms that are trying to raise bilingual kids or you know podcasters who who talk about um raising global citizens so I I felt like I I was at least listening close to the ground as to what everyone was looking for and being able to connect with other um other people about it so I, yeah. I reach out that way and it's a, and because I'm essentially one of them, we're, um, it's a very natural connection. It's not like, can you cover my, my app at a Mac site or something? Like it's, 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 it's a very natural fit and that's what they're looking for. And so I do a lot of that and it's, it's, it probably feels and sounds more grassrooty than, and time intensive than, and, than anyone really wants uh, to spend time doing, but it's just a very natural, place for me to be and i think that's why it works really well for our particular app and target market Mm. that sounds something similar to what i tried to do with slopes early on with like outreaching to the snowboarding and skiing subreddit but you definitely have the advantage that these are much more tight-knit communities and smaller communities and something like reddit is very very aggressive anti-promotion of your own things Uh, most of the Mm -hmm. time um, so where your community would be welcoming to like, oh, look, a new tool. Oh, look, somebody in our community wrote it. That's awesome. Uh, Reddit is just like, oh, you're promoting something? Yeah, downvote the hell out of that. <laughs> and as far as I can tell, there might be some out there, but there aren't a lot of smaller niche snowboarding communities on Facebook and stuff like that. It's it's much more at the friend level. Like there's a group of five mm, people who yeah. always go snowboarding, not a community of snowboarders looking for recommendations. Yeah. Yeah. So that's you. You've definitely hit a small gold mine there of, you know, a nice <laughs> communities that you can kind of advertise to very genuinely. Yeah. And I think that in terms of the content, it's something that is evergreen. The content's evergreen. Like people will always be looking for educational apps or educational content, period. 
not that I'm saying no one's going to look for gifts in about a year, <laughs> but I have the benefit of Google, right? Like people are going to be searching for these keywords yeah. and this type of stuff. And so I think that's what allows us like a longer runway, a longer, like it's okay. We're not growing that quickly because we know it. perhaps it'll come someday soon ish. Hmm. <laughs> One of the things in a similar vein that helped me early on was the relationships that I had built with people that actually had a platform. And I know that that, oh, that sounds so douchey, <laughs> but it's a, it's a similar level of thing. Like I had, I had the benefit when I launched of having people who had some kind of platform where they could talk about the, the app that I had created also loved the app that I created. And were f- like, we were good enough friends at the time that they would just share it. Like it was just a thing that just happened. Like they were using the app cause I had been talking to them about it. And I think part of the thing is that it's about who you know. Plenty of my regular friends like like love gift wrapped and use gift wrapped and they would you know gladly share it with everybody that they know. But knowing people who have a platform helps a lot. Well, that depends on your app to some degree because when I outreach to a lot of the press or prominent people within the iOS community, you know, snowboarding isn't nearly as universal. So, you know, I'll reach mm-hmm. out to Mac stories and it's, you know, hey, yeah, your app looks great, but sorry, none of us snowboard. Yep. And the reader overlap there is certainly thinner. But on the flip side, to echo your, you know, kind of importance of reaching out and making friends within the community, despite the fact that I know they're never going to write about my app, you know, I'm generally nice to and, you know, generally interested in the people in the press. And <laughs> because of yes. that genuineness, <laughs> wait a second, why are we laughing? I'm I'm like, I'm horrified at the, the like, while you're speaking, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to cut this out because this sounds, this just makes me sound so <laughs> awful. <laughs> it, it is very helpful, but not everybody has access to that. Yeah. And I think more than anything, like, I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to have like to have people and in in the the aspect of like of the friends that i've had uh in our community it would be more akin to like you knowing i don't know a well-known snowboarder snowboarder Yeah. yeah and that would make a huge difference to your app because it's basically like if they were just talking about it that's basically like celebrity endorsement sure. which is like <laughs> a huge industry but also more difficult for you but what i guess what i was trying to get at is like when i launched slopes i was an absolute nobody i still consider myself pretty much a nobody but i was definitely an absolute nobody within the ios community and mm. over the last five mm. years not for any reason to want to buddy buddy up with people who are prominent just for the sake of it like they're usually genuinely actually pretty interesting people and so in the rare opportunities that they've had a reason to write about slopes like this season with the series three a bunch of tech sites started writing about snowboarding apps you know one day out of the entire year but hey it was a press wave to ride and because of that i was at the forefront of their mind because I've slowly been becoming friends with them. So it's more an encouragement, I guess, that, you know, even if your app is not very applicable to the press and you're not necessarily super close friends with them, even if you reach out and just kind of gently make them aware of your app and, you know, try Mm -hmm. and work with them on occasion and just keep them aware you know, that can pay off five years down the road like it did for me. (laughs) I finally got write-ups on a bunch of sites just because Apple decided skiing was important this year. But then I was able to ride that wave. Yeah. Reaching out to people that have, like, even marketing, like, even, like, the the talking to press thing, it comes down to, like, having built a relationship with people. Like, you need to build relationships. It's all about networking. It's about who you know. 
if you don't network with people, you're not going to get the benefit of the friendship for starters because you're just not going to know them. <laughs> but also, you're not going to get the benefit of any sort of platform that right. they have. And it's not about going after the friendship for the platform. Right. It, it has to be genuine. Because it's, yeah. it's a genuine thing. Like, if you have a conversation with a person and then all it takes is having a conversation with a person and not like, it's not like, oh, hey, have you heard about my app? Right. My app is really <laughs> cool. Uh, it's about like having a conversation with them about like freaking, I don't know, have you seen the latest episode of Westworld, how good <laughs> slash bad slash confusing <laughs> is that episode of and like building up like it it's about having genuine moments right. with people, genuine relationships and and connections with people. And as weird and dirty as it sounds, those genuine connections that you have with people will in turn help the things that you create because they're going to be proud of you as a friend. Right. If I ever see, for instance, let's here's a for instance. I don't snowboard, but if I ever see somebody going snowboarding or tweeting about like I'm going to go like, you know, gonna go to Japan to do some skiing or whatever, I'll be like, hey look, I this app, this yeah this app that like is great and it's done by a friend of mine. You should check it out. I will totally do that for to like four slopes, even though, and it's t- completely genuine, not because right. Curtis, you have come to me with being like, Hey, have you seen my app? My right. app's really cool. You should talk about my app. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's a genuine thing. And yeah. all I want to do, like I, as your friend, want to see you succeed. And that is this, that is the sort of benefit mm-hmm. that having like that reaching out to people can have. Yeah. And that's something I don't think I understood early on. I, I figured, you know, you email the press and oh yeah, they'll cover yeah. you if you do a good job. And you really have to realize that what you're trying to do is provide them a resource for them to continue their platform. You know, they're built right. on their readership and you're emailing them at a time where you might not fit into the stories they're trying to write or anything like that. And if that's all you focus on, you're never going to be able to build those relationships with the press, like actual genuine relationships. If all you're doing is plugging your app and like, oh, well, you never right, write about right. me, so screw you. And you really have to understand it from their viewpoint of they're trying to build an audience and you need to find a way to help them build that audience. And in return, if you can, they might be able to find a way to help you at some point. And it's it, that definitely took me the first, you know, two years of the black hole of press email to finally understand once I started kind of hanging out with them and seeing their viewpoint on things. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the huge difference between the two of us. Like, I don't get a lot of rejection in terms of mom to mom, right? Like, it's weird mm. to reject another mom. But writing emails to press it's just it is a black hole and you're like why why don't you like me <laughs> well it's the thing and that's that's what took me forever to realize yeah. you know as my product kind of matured it's like it's not that they don't like me it's that if they wrote about me their their readers wouldn't care and they have right. to be hyper yeah. aware of that because they don't want to lose readers yeah. mm. but then when i'm part of the narrative because of the series three yeah right. they'll drop a note you know maybe put slopes at the top of the list of the awesome ski apps out there and that's the best i can hope for and i've kind of you know, really become appreciative of when they do that, but made peace at the fact that that won't happen often because that's how mm, the press right. works. They're trying to keep yep. in business as much as we are. Exactly. Okay. So we've come to the conclusion that it's all about people you know, but that was, you know, during launch and like during other upda- major updates, but like several years down the line where we are, I think we're all four or five years in. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you feel like your marketing has changed or evolved? Clearly, we're not just trying to get news all the time. Um, but have you matured <laughs> as a marketer? My approach has matured. I think originally early on when I first started doing apps, my approach was like, I want to create a thing and then I'll worry about marketing. 
I'll put it out there and then I'll worry about like, you know, building relationships or, you know, sending out things and whatever. And that was basically how I launched all of my apps was like, I build a thing, I I worry about the marketing afterwards. These days, I wouldn't say that like during the entire time of my development cycle, I'm thinking, what can I do about this in marketing? But the way that I have approached my cycle, my launch cycle, my release cycle and stuff like that is to think about like, what are the important things that I can pull out of this? Like, what can I like Mm -hmm. say to people? Like, if I'm going to launch a new version, what can I tweet about? Like, what am I going to be able to say? And uh, it's not so much that like I'm net, I'm then going to have like huge billboards that say now with VR gifts. It's like, <laughs> but like if I'm able to say like if I'm able to like pull something out of uh, my release and say here's the major thing like this is a huge new thing and you're gonna be you're gonna love it. That helps. That that has helped me a lot because and I think that a lot of developers don't do that. There was a talk from NSConf a few years ago by Marco Arment called iOS app marketing for small developers where he kind of goes into that sort of approach where that he because he he does that's what he does and that he, he kind of talks about it in the under the guise of overcast and how he did with overcast but having things that you can take uh, like from your app and say this is the big new thing helps your marketing hmm. substantially even if it's just as simple as like I fixed this really major bug <laughs> <laughs> Because it just helps, it, it helps give you something to market. Because mm. I mean, if you think about marketing as a story for your app, then like you want to be able to pull out the story, and having things to kind of base that around is is very helpful. Yeah, I guess I've kind of gone the opposite there. I think, uh, and I don't know if this is right. Full disclaimer: I think I've stopped focusing on any kind of release as a marketing yep. point. It's mm. something that I am focused on pulling out the features that I feel like mm. are good to educate users on and coming up with like shareable GIFs and stuff to put on Twitter and Instagram or little videos, put them on Facebook and finding like you're saying, Jelly, those bite-sized things that are important to get out there and are shareable. I am focusing on that more year-round type of thing or season-round type of thing. But half the time those are, you know, out of cycle release things. They aren't like, oh, look, this big new feature came today. It's kind of more a tip of the week kind of idea. And Mm -hmm. I've been focusing on that a bit more because Slopes is never going to be a big splash release thing. I don't have the audience for that. And, you know, to do that kind of things, I'd probably need to be in snowboarding magazines. So it's just more kind of trying to keep the pressure up. And I will disclaimer that that the the one kind of big splash I'll try and do is I try and be a lot more cognizant of where the natural press waves are going to be coming up. So, for example, when they announced the ski API in September or teased it and then finally released it in December, I knew there was going to be press around that. I knew I had to hop on that Mm. and drop everything. So I dropped everything and worked on a new watch app. And I got a ton of press from that. And so it's I've kind of realized over time that at least to the audience that the three of us kind of interact with slopes is never going to be a big deal. It's not going to be like, you know, the well, I forget the name of the camera app, uh, Hilda or uh, Halid Halid. Uh, you know, it just got its 1.8 update today, and I saw it on like five or six sites that I follow. And Slopes is never going to be that, and that's fine. And I'm just going to find other press waves that I can ride because I probably can't make them myself. The best thing I can do is ride the big ones that are already going to be out there thanks to Apple or something else, mm-hmm. and just keep a smaller constant pressure of marketing up. I think that's 
how my technique has really changed over the past couple of years. For Gus on the Go, we have an audience now, which is, you know, there's a there's a big difference between starting and now. And and we've we've worked really hard to drive traffic and have have a steady stream of stream of traffic and even users who just really love the app. Um, just the other day, I, I woke up to a tweet that was like, uh, there's this I'm at a cafe in Switzerland and my son is playing my son is playing the Italian app with an Italian boy. Like it was just like out of nowhere. And it was really sweet. Like we have users who just truly love us. And I'm thinking like, well, how can I work with them? So for this new release, I've been really trying to figure out like how can I involve them in not just beta testing, but just like actually using them to build the content yeah. more. And and so I I think I'm going to try to start a Facebook group. I, I mean, I wanted to say Slack, but they're my parents are not on Slack. And so I'll likely start a Facebook group and kind of have like a really these um conversations with them about like what it is that they really want out of it. It's it's hard to operate as a page, a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. But I think when you're a group, they actually see the questions you're posting or your content that you're posting. And so yeah. uh, I want to be a lot more involved in in like showing screenshots and and like a little like movies of what what's how how it's progressing. Well, yeah, you want to build a community essentially, which yeah, is yes, smart. Yes. I mean, I'm not exactly yeah. sure how to do it. Right. But like, I think that's what I'm aiming for this time around. And there's a lot of content to be built. So like, there's a lot of stuff to share. So I think Gus, five, six years, seven years later, we're a little bit more mature. Uh, we have the audience. And so it's how, how to work with them to build this third incarnation. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think you're at a good opportunity because you can kind of yep. get them in on the ground floor, which mm-hmm. from a community aspect, they're going to feel awesome about that. Yeah, we'll see if they... We'll pay later, though. <laughs> I was kidding. <laughs> that's always the question. That's that's my biggest concern. That's, that's its whole whole own episode. <laughs> yeah. Conversion episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Multi level episodes. Why won't um, my users pay? Part one in a ten part series. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you had a ridiculous marketing budget, I'm kind of curious. Like, was there something you've ever like? I really want to do that. I want to put an ad here. Or, you know, get a blimp. <laughs> Slopes <laughs> the blimp. No, I mean, I, I've tried throwing money at Instagram and have a good return on that. And I've never turned the faucet on, mm. even though in theory I make money over the long term. Like the idea of spending thousands of dollars a day on ads seems scary. But I don't know. That's one. And, you know, taking out ads in a ski magazine, those can be thousands of dollars. But that could be pretty yeah. cool. There's definitely more targeted to my niche stuff that I'd like to pay for. But unfortunately, it is expensive and dominated by big players in that space, like, you know, Burton Snowboards and stuff like that. They they can drop thousands on an ad, no problem. Yeah. I can't. So I, I think that's kind of a space I'd like to play with more if I had the revenue for it. And if I could prove I'd actually see a return on that investment. But yeah, the the more niche targeted advertising would be very nice. And most of that, I think, is offline or in videos like yeah there's a there's a lot of weird stuff <laughs> jelly i guess you can just invent memes and use those for marketing <laughs> <laughs> I, gotta, I would have to say your app confuses me the most because i feel like not confuses but i just feel like i cannot think of marketing for you like it's so natural to come up with something for slopes which i've you know been doing since i met you curtis but I got nothing for you, Jelly. <laughs> I, uh, you're not alone. I don't know what to do either. 
which is part of the probably the part of the reason why I don't I don't invest a lot in this area. Like I've done the occasional ad and I've done things like Twitter and stuff like that, but I think I mean it comes down to partly like I need to like I need to figure out where my market is, which is really hard when your market is Everywhere. basically everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a little bit of everybody. Whereas like, you know, it makes it more easy when your your niche is like, okay, well, you know, there are things already that exist that, you know, in this space. Mm. I I don't know. Like I've done I've tried advertising and seen like zero return on that sort of stuff. Yeah. I've tried things like dropping prices and seeing how that works. Like, oh, you know, for the next week, you know, my price will be five dollars instead of ten or whatever. That hasn't helped a lot either. I, I think probably what I would do is like uh, I would spend money on somebody to figure that stuff out for yeah. me because I think that's <laughs> That's what I really need yeah. help with. I'm terrible at at like figuring that stuff out, and uh, it's not. I'm not comfortable in that space, and I think that's part of the problem. That every like, I'm not special in that way. Oh no, I'm right there with you. I'm flailing at Photoshop trying to come up with marketing ideas. Like, right, <laughs> and like I can come up with like I've, clearly I've given myself the advantage of like well you know I have things to talk about, but I don't know other than like you know. Other than a providing them and talking about them on Twitter, I don't know like like how I don't really know how to then like advertise those things or even if they're worth advertising or if like or whatever. So the fact that like as mentioned at the beginning of the episode, my word of mouth is like amazing. I, I'm like, jealous. Amazing. I looked at it today and I was like, what? <laughs> and like that that's that's really like that's really been helpful. Um, and yeah. I'm so. I'm so grateful to that yeah. like because because I don't really like I don't have to like I don't have to be too concerned like it's my app is on a growth trajectory right now it's growing and not like like it's not stale in any way it's pretty good so I'm like I'm like I'll think about that later <laughs> <laughs> Yeah I do feel like you've hit like a product that does just markets itself which I wish I came up with. <laughs> Not gift wrapped with something that does that. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I, the, the problem is I can't tell you how. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I have no idea. <laughs> it just happened. It was a mistake. It was an accident. Turn in next week, folks, for more expert advice from <laughs> Daniel, aka Jelly. <laughs> I don't know how the, it happened. It we can just go the happened. Silicon Valley show route where you just make copies. Clones of a uh, gift wrap. That's, that's my next plan. New, new gift wrap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's gift Although for the Chinese I, I insult you, but to be fair, half the time I don't know why Slopes is working the way it works either. Like that is the reality of sometimes. <laughs> you know, there will be people who claim like, "Oh yeah, I, I growth hacked my way." Yeah, half the time none of us know what we're doing, um, and half the time it works out anyway, which is especially frustrating when you're trying to get there and you can't get there. <laughs> but it is something I, I don't want to just insult you <laughs> well i just think i think it comes down to like i don't know that much about marketing i don't know anything yeah so i could be doing things correctly and not realize it i guess mm. if that makes sense no that's fair yeah so like the fact that i've succeeded at like creating a word of mouth <laughs> campaign i'm sure there are people Gold. that could probably look into it and go oh this is exactly what you've done and it's it's yeah, you've done yeah, the yeah. right job there and i'll be like yeah awesome go me but uh, right like <laughs> sitting here right now like i couldn't tell you i could not tell you what i've done correctly i can just tell you that i have done something yeah. correctly and somehow magically it's worked <laughs> <laughs> awesome uh so basically it sounds like 
we're all just going to make GIF wrapped. Is that the new version of GIF wrapped? Yes, it's just it's, it's GIF wrapped. It's, it's, it's for the other half of people that, that it's pronounce Curtis. it differently. I do very specifically <laughs> want to point out how tempted I have been over the last year to troll you, Jelly, by putting an app in the store called GIF wrapped and changing it so the little package that you have on oh the front God. is the color of GIF the peanut butter and oh, running no. with that. <laughs> Okay, okay, moving on. <laughs> and this is how right. friendships are destroyed, people. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Especially um, when it makes more next, money. <laughs> tune in next fortnight when Curtis is no longer with us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if you'd like for us to maybe dive deeper into different aspects of marketing, minus Jelly because he just it just markets itself, um, you can send us a message at hello at independence.fm or find us at independence.fm slash contact every now and then i'll be on twitter at eat a duck i must and you can find me as at parrots the plural of the bird and i am jelly bean soup thank you always for listening and hey we'll talk to you in a fortnight goodbye